welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. In this week's episode, we're speaking with Honoré Quarter and Brian Meeks, the co-authors of The Prosperous Writer's Guide to Finding Readers, which is publishing today exclusively at Amazon. In this show, the three of us consider the marketing mindset that both Honoré and Brian believe is so important to being able to market your book effectively in today's crowded market. Honoré makes it a practice to do at least seven things each day to market her books, and by having done that since the beginning of her publishing career, which started well before the days of ebooks and Kindle Direct Publishing, she's developed the ability to see opportunities for marketing that others just don't see. In this episode, we'll cover some of what the authors call ninja tactics for finding new readers, the importance of understanding the return on your time investment, specific advice for building your email list, and how Brian has strengthened his own marketing mindset since beginning to write with Honoré, and a lot more. Speaking of the value of time invested, it is Sunday morning, 5 a.m. on Memorial Day weekend when I'm recording this intro. Our little grandson, Wyatt, spent yesterday with us as well as last night, and he is just so stinking cute, and he's just so much fun to have around but there's not a lot of quiet time. So I have a lot of uh, revisions to make today for the first book in a new series that I'm working on. So I'm going to wrap this up quickly and get back to making those revisions. Thank you so very much for listening. I do this show for you each week, and it just means the world to me that you listen and participate in the AuthorBiz Facebook group and just, you know, that you're there. So thank you so much for doing that. All right, let's get this episode started. It begins with me asking Honoré about something I'd seen online a couple of weeks ago. Honoré Quarter, this is, I think I read on Facebook a week or so ago, this is your 50th book. It's probably, that's probably old news by now. Yeah, I think I'm up to 107. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so last week, Stephen. You've got to stick with it. Stay Stay up to date, man. What's going on down there in Florida? I remember the last time we talked, or maybe it was two times ago we talked, you said something about 20 books in the in the next year, and I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, right. It's happened. Yeah, right. So I have a consistent writing practice. I write at least an hour every day, and then I throw in a couple of extra hours other times of the day as I am able and I love it. And I'm, I, as you would imagine, as you do something, you get better and faster at it. So that's kind of where, kind of where I am. But I, to to kind of reveal the numbers, so someone doesn't think since 15 minutes ago I wrote 20 books uh, <laughs> or 30 books, I've written and published 26 of my own, and 12 with Hal Elrod in the Miracle Morning book series, and then I do high level book coaching. And so I've helped 22 people birth their books. And you're starting a career as a fiction writer, which I find fascinating. And your co-writer in this book, Brian Meeks, is, is already a well-known mystery writer. Brian, welcome. And um, Well, thank you. Pleased to be here. We will, we're going to you know, just sort of rotate back and forth with questions. Uh, the first question that I have is going to be for Honoré, and it's something that you mentioned very early on in the book, something that I feel pretty strongly about, and that is uh, the importance of being mindful of how you spend your time as compared to being so focused on what you're spending your money on. Could you speak to that for just a few seconds? 
I sure can. I, and I think anyone with a business background has this, has a similar thought process as I do. And I know you do as well. I think there is a, a very big focus, a tendency for people to want to do things cheaply and quickly, as opposed to looking at the investment of their time and their money. And one of the things I ask people to look at is their return on their time investment. So I do a breakdown of, of doing a book tour, let's say, like, how do you, how do you, how do you possibly wrap your brain around selling 25 books after flying somewhere and spending time in a hotel and money in a hotel and money on food and all the travel and the time away from family when you could sell 25 books more easily. My, my suggestion for people is to get very clear about where they're spending their time, do a time audit, map out where you're spending your time or where you're wasting your time. Because once it's gone, it's gone. And that's the difference between time and money. Once the time is gone, you can't get it back. You can always make more money. So, and you know, you and I are speaking in video. Brian is is joining us just with audio. But I've spoken to Brian before, and he and I are of a certain age. You're still a young, vibrant woman. Uh, but yes, we are <laughs> she, totally. Hey, she's that. actually she's getting younger. <laughs> I, I do believe that. But um, you know, Brian and I have reached the point where we actually do realize that time is finite, and we're sort of counting the seconds and yeah. realizing that there's more and more and more that's got to be squeezed into those seconds. So I mean, this is just something that's really important. And if if you can develop it as a practice early on in your business career, it, it's it's a big help. Well, if I could throw in a a little bit about that. I learned firsthand when I was doing a series of signings, uh, a total of 21 signings in three weekends for a nonfiction book I wrote about the University of Iowa men's basketball team. And I I did that with the all-time leading score. It was nine days of just, you know, 10, 12 hours a day going between these different venues, an enormous amount of effort. We sold a lot of books, but like Honoré mentioned, there's a lot of cost when you're doing that. And authors who are new to this always imagine the joy of doing public signings and all. And the first one or two are kind of fun, but the last 19 are a bit of a drag. And at the end of the day, it dominated about a month of my life and I made $300. It it just, it wasn't worth it. I'm glad I did it once, but now I know the value of time I could have made $300 much more easily just being on a couple podcasts from the comfort of my home. And that now as as someone who's writing books titled the, you know a series of books titled The Prosperous Writing Writers Series, this one being The Guide to Finding Readers, um understanding the importance of time as it relates to money becomes kind of important. 1000% one of the things that, that you really focus on in this book is ninja tactics, the things that we're not all doing. Um, you know, we all know what the things that we are all doing are, um, <laughs> but, you know, it, things like our – I'm trying to say newsletter without using the word newsletter because I know I can't use the word newsletter <laughs> now, and, and I, I got that from reading your book. <laughs> but our email lists and the things that we send – 
and send to readers. I mean, that's something that we all do. And, you know, we may do a, an occasional podcast and we may do blog posts and we may post on Facebook and, you know, we do these things and, and we think, okay, we're doing all that we possibly can. But you're really focused in this book on things that go well beyond that. The, and, and you're calling them ninja tactics. So let's, let's kind of get started. Let's just pick one and, and dig into well, it. Well, so let me just back, just back up the truck one second and say that Okay. Two two quick things. One, I actually have several different verticals I write in. And so, yes, you can call it a newsletter. But if you are only sending an email to your readers, then you should only call it a reader list. So there's a differentiating factor there for some people who might know about my business books or my single mom books or something like that. Um, the second thing is I want to kind of talk about where Ninja Tips came from. I didn't start writing books in a time where there was an online option. I started writing and publishing books when I wasn't a traditional author, and that was the cool thing at the time when the cool kids were all traditionally published authors, and I didn't know how to market books. I knew how to market, and so I applied marketing strategies that I was aware of and that I was discovering and that I was figuring out to marketing my books, and I've carried them forward even as... We've developed our email and newsletter lists and our reader groups and our advanced reader teams. And even as we have learned the things that everybody does and we all kind of march forward, I've kept my my fingers on the pulse of what are some things that I can do and also P.S. And by the way, I didn't have a book marketing budget because book marketing wasn't a thing and I was trying to do things as financially effectively as possible. I don't ever say as cheaply as possible because I don't like that word, but I definitely think that the rich get richer, right? The poor get rich and the rich get richer because they watch their dollars. They're very mindful of where their money goes. And I was very mindful as a single mm -hmm. mom at the time about where every single dollar was going. And I certainly didn't want to look back and, and see a pile of money <laughs> that I had left somewhere accidentally on purpose because I didn't know what I was doing. So I was constantly trying things that I have now affectionately termed ninja tactics. One of the things you mentioned in the book, and it reminded me of, of something that James Altucher has been talking about forever. It's the idea of just making these lists of things that you can do to make money. And in, in your case, it was every day you would try and come up with seven different, different ways that you could find new readers for your book. And you know, once you get beyond 10 or 11, you've got to be digging pretty deep. Yes. Well, so to be clear, I was I was identifying seven things I could do every day, not seven new things I could do every day. But it was that was born from uh, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, who said we did seven things every day. And when they were promoting Chicken Soup for the Soul, it was also pre, pre, pre-internet. And it was things like get featured in your local newspaper or your community newspaper or go on a radio show or go on TV. And now I'm, I'm hard-pressed to find anyone who says, oh, I found this book because I was watching television. <laughs> 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 or yeah, I read the review in the newspaper. Exactly, exactly. So now the the strategies and the tactics have changed. However, the need to do a number of things every single day remains solid information. And is that is, is it still seven for you? I think it's seventy nine. <laughs> <laughs> 
it feels like it feels like a lot of things because it's not just be on Facebook. It's run Facebook ads. It's have a presence on Facebook, have an author page on Facebook, have a community on Facebook that you are running. And if you're not running a community, then be active in a community. Even if you're running a community, be active in a community, (laughs) support other people. So I have things that I actually didn't talk about in this book. And one of them is that I make it a point to go and support my fellow authors, because I think that that's really important. One of my own personal philosophies or rules in my philosophy is to leave everything and everyone better than I found them and to help people as much as I can. And part of that is if you want something, give it away. Mm-hmm. And I, I like being able to send out an email to my author friends and say, Hey, I'm having a book coming out. I'd really love it if you'd support the book. And they are like, well, you've supported my last 20 books. Of course I would be delighted to do that. And thank you for asking me. It's an honor that you would ask me to do that. So one of the seven things that I don't mention in the book if you if if someone's going to go with a list of 7 is to make either number 1 or number 7 find other authors to support find other writer friends to support and build some goodwill and better friendships out of that and in your case you take it beyond just authors you do it with podcasters as well because you you've been a big supporter of, of this show for years and every time i get an email from you saying hey i've got a new book on this i've got a new book coming out um, would you like to talk to me about it? The answer is always yes. Of course I would. Sure. Yes. And and it's not it, it's not a, a love of convenience. Just for the record, I support people that I genuinely care about. If mm-hmm. you are if you are trying to work the system by giving support out of the rule of or the law of reciprocity being something that you can fall back on when you actually don't care, mm-hmm. then that's no good because I don't support people that I don't genuinely like or care for. And you can ask Brian, he'll tell you. <laughs> I will. I will absolutely tell you that. <laughs> well, I, you know, in, in the case of this particular show, I know when you say nice things about it online, you always have specifics. So I know you listen <laughs> and um, that, that makes it real. That's not someone seeing a headline and saying, oh, that's really cool. I'm sharing this. It's a completely different level of engagement. Correct. And you are my workout buddy on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> you and I have spent a lot of time together in the gym. <laughs> it is, it is funny how that works with uh, podcasting and, and exercise. And for me, it's running. And yeah. I have running buddies. And, and I am pleased to be one of your workout buddies on, on Monday morning. Brian, I see you had something else you wanted to say about the email newsletters. I, I wanted to, since you brought it up, uh, you both talked about it earlier with the the point about calling something a newsletter, mm-hmm. just to be clear, because somebody listening may not understand what is wrong with calling it a newsletter. There's nothing wrong with it, but Nick Stevenson, who a couple of years ago did a ton of research, and he found that simply changing his landing page from, would you like to join my newsletter to, would you like to join my reader group, greatly improved his conversion for building his list. And it mattered many, many thousands more subscribers because he made that change. And so the credit goes to him for doing that research. But then I have tested it for my own books, and he's right. It absolutely impacts the number of people that are willing to give you their email address. And that's no small thing because if you're using a Facebook ad or some other medium to drive people 
to your landing page in the hopes of giving them a free copy of your book or using your front matter or back matter in your book, if you improve the conversion rate by 30%, which I, if I'm recalling, I think was Nick's results, that over even a short period of time means a lot more subscribers. And over the long course of your writing career, it means a lot more dollars. For people who are listening to this show, I mean, you and I did a show where we talked a lot about um, data for a previous book that the two of you had written. And you're, you're like a, you're a serious data geek. So I know that you, I would, love it. you would experiment with this and you would have your own numbers. But I mean, you're, you're a person that we need to listen to when it comes to uh, following the numbers. Well, and the other thing that I would say to add to that is that in a few years, the term reader group may be overused. And you just always <laughs> want to be testing and, and trying to do things that make people want to consider the option. And I think ultimately reader group just sounds less threatening than newsletter because we all have our inboxes filled with newsletters. But if somebody is a fan of reading your work, it just feels like something that is less threatening and they're more apt to give you that email address and then you can continue to share your works with them. Yeah, a reader group sounds like something that you would want to become engaged with. Participatory, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, ninja techniques. Let's go. Okay, so the the you're going to make your list of seven things or five things or three things that you're going to do every single day. And one of those things is to always have books. This will require a paperback, kids. <laughs> for the, for those making the for those making the connection, this will require you to produce a paperback and always have one with you. So in, so my husband has a car, I have a car very soon. My daughter will have a car and all of us have a bag of books in the car. And every time we run into Starbucks, which is uh, all the time, (laughs) multiple Starbucks all the time, every day, especially on trips, Mm -hmm. we pop a book in the, um, newspaper basket. So every single Starbucks has um, a newspaper stand where they're selling actual physical newspapers, like it's 1974. And right next to the newspaper basket or the newspaper stand is a newspaper basket. And every so often I'll, I will have seen, and this is where the idea came from uh, originally was I would see somebody would put a magazine in there or something else. And so I thought, well, why can I not put my book in the newspaper basket for someone to discover. And then Brian had an even better idea about putting a book in the newspaper basket with something to do in the book. Brian, do you remember what that is? Absolutely. The idea is because of the great flexibility we have as indie authors, we can go into create space and make a change to our book, order some copies, like maybe 20, 30 copies, and then change back. So the idea is simply put a page in the front matter that says, this is a traveling book or hello, my name is the title of the book. I'm a traveling book. If you found this someplace, enjoyed reading it, leave it someplace else and maybe tell us where you found it. <laughs> that, that I mean, it came from the idea of what's the thing that, that students will do. I'm not a parent, but they will flat Stanley are you familiar yes. with Flat Stanley, where Flat Stanley will get sent to a relative who's going to a trip to Hawaii, and then they'll pass it on to a tourist from Germany, and Flat Stanley will travel around the world? Well, again, for the price of one book, if you put that in there, 
my hope is one day I will see my book on Facebook and somebody will be showing that page and I'll have seen that it's traveled around the world. Again, this is not something that I'll be able to gather data on and know how much it helps my bottom line, but that sort of thing, it's, it's a seed out there that has the potential to go viral. If something like that happened and Tom Hanks found it and he signed his name in it and he put it on his Facebook post, then all of a sudden, you know, that's like a lottery ticket and, you know, we, we don't pay very much for our books, you know, four or $5 to throw that seed out in there is a, a small ninja tactic. And so it's just building on honorees. Can I tell one of honorees best ones though? This yeah, is, absolutely. This is my favorite honoree will. Oh, I love telling this story. I think I enjoy telling this story more than she does. She will sometimes go into a bookstore and leave her book. She leaves it spine out, not cover out, because as we all know, they make they make you pay more for covers, which I think is uh, funny because she's not actually paying anything. But the, the point is she puts it on the bookshelf, and then invariably, a week or two later, a very confused bookstore employee will write or call and say, yeah, somebody came up to the counter with your book, and we couldn't find it in our system, so we actually just gave it to them. But we'd like to order your book now. Can you help us with that? And then, of course, the answer is yes. And it's But it's the confused employee that makes it so wonderful. And then, you know, sure enough, her book is in a bookstore. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I do, too. I absolutely <laughs> love that when I read it in the book. I am using my mind for good and not evil, everyone, okay? Just if I were a criminal, I would be really good at it, okay? I'm just, <laughs> just trying to stay out of jail. This is the goal, okay? <laughs> All right. Well, what, what's next? What's, a, what's another um, ninja trick? And I kind of like the way you guys are doing this with Honoré telling Brian's ninja tricks and, and Brian telling Honoré's. I don't know if you're going to keep this up, but I, I like this. I like the flow here. Well, we're, we'll see what we can do. Um, so um, one of the things I like to help people to do is do what I call the set it and forget it ninja tactics. And so I'm going to give an overall ninja tactic and then I'll break it down a little bit. Um, one of the things that I suggest in the book is to add the book to your email signature. And you're always going to hyperlink your book to where they can buy the book. So it's either your landing page on your website where they can get two free chapters, or it's the page on your website where you're selling the book, or it's your Amazon author page or your iBooks page or whatever, wherever you want to send people, you always want to hyperlink it. They need to go somewhere when they're, when they hover over it, they need to realize they can go somewhere and learn more about your book or just buy your book. But one of the things that I do, because I have multiple books, and I think almost anyone listening to your show would either have multiple books or be on their way, is I have multiple signatures for my email. So whenever I'm sending a, an email to someone, I can just click and pick from a drop-down menu of now about 10 different email signatures, and each of them feature a different book. Hmm, so your set, your set it and forget it is your, your name... It, that hyperlinks to something, then you can have underneath it author and it can go to your Amazon author page, or it can, you can even put underneath that. Like today, um, I added an, a, a little bit underneath my signature that says, who my next book is coming and here's the title. And I'd love for you to grab a copy and be sure to mention it, 
you know, you can grab a copy for yourself or someone else. I said something a little, little fun and engaging. So mm-hmm. I added some copy and then on launch day, I'm going to go in and change that to something else or just remove it. So I have right now, I have a picture of all of my writer books underneath my signature. That's the general default signature. But if I'm responding to different emails to the same person during the day, I'll go up and pick a different book for the, for them to get in their inbox when they get another. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah. So uh, uh, an email sequence with three or four different emails over the course of the day, you're showing them three or four different ways of being, yes. you're exposing them to three or four more of your books. Yes, absolutely. Cause they might forward my email to someone in an, in a different context or connotation or conversation or whatever, like they they might have reason to forward it. And so I like to keep it interesting for the recipient Mm -hmm. because I don't want them to think, oh, I always get the same autoresponder from Honoré because you don't. And I don't want them to always get the same response, you know, the signature, but you can set and forget your signature and never do anything else with it. Or you can have fun and import images into your signature and rotate it, or you can leave it the same. But it's one of those things that it, it's you're in email all the time. It's kind of like you should have a Facebook profile because everyone is on Facebook. So email is one of those things where you can really take advantage of your ongoing communication with people. And can I just say one thing? It's, it, I'm on Skype all the time because of all of the different interviews that I do. And I'm almost always interviewing authors. And you are the only person who's ever had a here's the link to my book. Um, as a part of their Skype description. Everyone else just has something like drinking coffee or trying to wake up or something like that. You're actually selling a book, which is, I just think is, is brilliant. Well, the, the beauty of a lot of the ninja ideas that Honoré's come up with, and I have to be clear that thinking like a ninja is something that I absolutely got from Honoré. It, it is a mindset, and we talk about mindset in all of our books, but when she started telling me these stories of some of the things that she's done and then the the results, the, the, the interactions with fans that mm-hmm. she didn't expect or, or, like I said, the confused bookstore clerk, it got me really fired up. And so by having my mind set to always be thinking of what could I do that would be a little bit different, I've developed – sort of that thinking muscle and become better at it. In fact, I have my satire series, the first book in the series, the protagonist, Arthur, throughout the book, he is struggling with, he has not written in a couple decades. And at the end of the book, he's talking with his love interest and he has not told the world the title of his new book, but he has told the world that, yes, he has finally written another book, and the character was a writer of some renown before, and so people are excited about that, but he hasn't told anybody the title, and so in the second to last line, he tells the love interest the title is Killing Hemingway, and of course, it's a link, because after I published that, I wrote the book Killing Hemingway, which is a young adult, <laughs> and published it under the name Arthur Byrne, and people, I get, I get so much read-through, and it's not it's not a sequel. It has nothing to do with the original book. Mm-hmm. But most people, when they see that it's a link, are too curious not to click on it. Yep. Now, it, it's an entirely different genre, and some, you know, it, may, it may not be for some people, but I sell a lot of books that way, and it didn't cost me anything to do that. And now I have four books published by my protagonist from the Underwood Scotch and Rice series. 
I love it. One of the things that that I, I want to talk about just really quickly is the tendency that we all have to want to go up to the plate when it comes to marketing and hit a home run every time. A lot of what you're talking about is just the basics of doing things, moving the ball for, I, you know, I always use sports metaphors. I apologize, but it's, um, you know, get a guy on base and then move him around and eventually you score the run. And then occasionally you do hit the, you do hit the home run. But if you're just swinging for the fence all the time, you're going to strike out 99% of the time and you're going to say, eh, none of this stuff works. How, how, how would you, how would you respond to just that in general? Well, I completely agree with you, first of all. So kudos to you for, for the sports metaphor. I'm, I'm a girl after your heart on that one. Um, and the second thing is the only way to truly be successful over the long term is to look at it like it's the long term. It, it would be wonderful if we were all Andy Weir or we were J.K. Rowling, but but those stories are lightning strikes and mm-hmm. very rarely happen. My philosophy is I do seven or 79 things every day, almost day in and day out. I'm very consistent, but I take intentional time off. And when I'm working, I'm working. When I'm not working, I'm not working. I, I don't try to overcomplicate things. I just try something consistently long enough to figure out whether it's working. Brian has taught me to love data almost. (laughs) (laughs) She she had to pause. I did. I had to really work myself up for that one. I'm in a lather over here. Um, but I, I, I track what works, but you, you won't know, you can't do 700 marketing things in one day. And then, um, and you can correct me. I'll, I'll use an example and you can correct me if I'm incorrect, Stephen. But I've, I've been on your podcast now. I think this is my, my uh, hat trick, right? My third. It was well, a little hockey yeah, metaphor. Yeah, I, I, it's either the third or the fourth. I, I think it probably is the third. And so, but I wasn't just on your podcast and then tweeted it out a couple of times and then got on with my day. One of my strategies is to be on a podcast and then continue to promote it over time. I was on Entrepreneur on Fire, I think three years ago, mm-hmm. and John Lee Dumas just retweeted my tweet and then sent me a little message and was like, you, you know, you're one of the more listened to episodes comparatively because I have a small name uh-huh. compared to some people who have much bigger name recognition, but I just don't stop promoting it. So I put it in my queue to say I was on this podcast and then six months from now, hey, I was on this podcast. And to the person who's never heard of the podcast or me, it's like it's their first day on earth, right? Your book is brand new Mm -hmm. to the 11 billion people who haven't read it. So it's your job to keep putting yourself and your book in front of people until they've discovered it or it takes on a life of its own which takes a while to happen. It's having the long tail plan and knowing that you're going to do it until right. And so in, in our, in, when I used to be a business coach, I would say you keep following up with someone until they die, go out of business, send you a cease and desist letter, or they hire you. And so as far as book marketing goes, you keep book marketing until you die. Like there's only one option. (laughs) You know, one one of the things that I really admire about both of you is that 
Uh, you know, you talked about the lightning strikes earlier. Neither of you have had a lightning strike. You've built successful author businesses and careers as authors by putting one foot in front of another, you know, putting one brick on top of another as you build this massive building. And I, I, I have been following you, Honoré, for years. And, you know, I just see the way that your profile has risen in, you know, a not just in the author community, but beyond the author community. I mean, you talked about being on John Lee Dumas's show. That's that's not an author thing. You were on with um, Pat Flynn. That's not an author thing. Pat was writing a book, and that's why you were on. But you're the one that he chose to have on to talk about the show. And and so you've you've been doing this for long enough, a little bit at a time, and all of a sudden your profile is just like way up here. And you've never had the, you know, the enormous New York Times bestselling book or anything that that we all think is what it takes to have to have that level of success. No, or to have or to have a successful career to make money as a writer. No, I just do the same things over and over consistently with with variety because I'm human. I need we all need, you know, normal things we can count on. And of course, we all need variety and I'm no different. But you're absolutely right. I just keep giving and I just keep writing and I just keep marketing and promoting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm always doing a fitness challenge and I'm doing a fitness challenge now. And I have this wonderful fitness buddy and she had gone to lunch with her girlfriends and they had said, wow, you look amazing. And she said they were really interested in what she was doing right up to the point to where they realized there was hard work and also self, um, What's this word? I can't think of it because I'm dieting. Self-discipline? Discipline, yes. Where you are, <laughs> because are, she's dieting. Yes, you've, you've yeah, totally blocked that out of your mind. Discipline. Yes. That word is gone. <laughs> yes, I can't even think of the word that's driving me every moment, right? You just have this, you, you eat certain things and you don't eat certain other things. And so it's kind of like, I'd really like to be on Facebook and hanging out on Facebook all day but I need to write my words. So I'm going to write my words first and then I'm going to hang out on Facebook. Once I've done the thing that I know I have to do, then I can do the thing that I want to do. That's way more fun. So I I do all the work, then I can fit in my pants and then I'll have a marshmallow. That's how that works. And the same thing with writing. And so a lot of people want to hear that you can be a lightning strike. All you have to do is write your book in a weekend, or you just have to run some Facebook ads for 10 minutes, or you can, learn how to run Amazon ads or they're, you know, just like two, one, two, three things that you do for about 15 minutes and mm-hmm. you're good to go. And unfortunately that's not that I have looked for that. <laughs> I have looked for the one, two, three in a weekend solution and I haven't found it. Well, if, if I may, mm-hmm. they're not all lightning strikes actually happen in the public eye. Hunter Ray is very good with her marketing and I won't go into the actual numbers, but she did a very clever thing with her. She's written books on divorce, surviving divorce. And when she started marketing them, it was before all of this crazy Kendall stuff. It was back in an age of vanity publishing. And no one told Honore that what you're supposed to do is order 500 books, put them in your garage, give a few to your neighbors, and then quietly go away and never publish again. Because what she did is she ordered 5,000 books, sold them almost immediately, marketing, and this is where the brilliance comes in. She marketed them to attorneys who handle divorce. 
Hmm. And they ate it up. And she ended up having to have a second order. And she sold like 11,000 books in an age before you were supposed to be able to do that. But what's brilliant is, going back to what my comment about Create Space, and this was, of course, before that, but she would make the offer. Okay, you're a big law firm. I could do the book. If you wanted to buy, say, 500 copies, we could put your firm on the back cover. And so she personally branded the book. Now, those those sales don't show up anywhere. And she's had, I mean, she's had lightning strikes that, again, don't show up on any New York Times list or don't show up in any Amazon rankings, but it's because of all the work she's done and the clever thinking that she's able to get some of these really good deals because she understands marketing. And I mean, that's such a a wonderful idea, branding a Mm -hmm. tool that's going to help the attorneys deal with and make it less painful for their customers. And so she's able to sell large chunks of books. And it's, it is another, all of her ninja tactics are my favorite tactics. They all tie for first. (laughs) So every time I'm talking about one of her tactics, I'm going to say, this is my favorite tactic, but the reality is they all are. And so there can be lightning strikes. And in this business, you don't necessarily need to hit a New York times list Mm -hmm. to sell. And there are a lot of poor uh, New York times bestsellers out there too, right? Authors who made the the New York times list and, and didn't make any money from it. For me, I'd rather, you know, I, someone will say, I want to, you know, I want to be an Amazon bestseller or I want to hit a list. And I, and I, my question back to them is always, do you want to have a best-selling book or do you want to have a best earning book? In my opinion, I'd rather have a book that sells for years and years and years and continues to make more and more money month over month than is the best-selling book for a minute. I, I think most people listening, most of your authors out in the audience, if they were given a choice of a moniker or actually being a full-time author, and I say living the dream, and that's not hyperbole because I do love every day of my life. There are weeks where I put in 80 hours, but if you're doing something you love, it's great. Yesterday, I had some work to do, and I ended up spending the entire day just hanging out with my college roommate from 1986-87. We had a great time. I didn't do any work, and you know what? That's okay because I'm an author. If I want to go eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with my friend, I can do that. It is a. It is. I can't overstate how wonderful a life it is to be a full-time author. And so Honoré's point's valid. What do you want? Do you want a book that sells well over time and can change your life or fleeting glory? (laughs) Well, when you put it that way, that sounds terrible. (laughs) Well, is is fleeting glory better than... A lifetime of, of great sales. I don't know. I, I thought it sounded good, but it sounds uh, wonderful. It sounds wonderful. But it goes to, to the point of the show today, which is how do you find readers, right? The book is yeah. our book is about finding readers so that you have that consistent lifetime of making money, doing the, the thing that you truly love. And I, I am with Brian. I agree. Okay. I'd it, still like some fleeting glory. Don't get me wrong. If all of a sudden somebody out there like Tom Hanks, I love Tom Hanks. I really wish he'd read one of my books and tell his friends to buy it because, <laughs> you know, does anybody know Tom Hanks? He, he is a listener to this show. I, he exercises yes, I with me on Mondays. Is. Yes. Okay. There you go. Because I really think he would enjoy turning one of my books into a movie. And, you know, 
that would be some fleeting glory, but I'd be all over it. And then, then you could talk about how great it is to have a lightning strike. I, I, I would be able to do that indeed, you know? But hey, the, the, indie, the indie world is changing. I mean, we, as indies, a community, I love the indie world because we root for each other. It feels like indie authors, however many millions of them there are, it feels like we're on the same team. We share information. We try to help each other. Like Honoré talked about at the beginning of the podcast, it's about building those relationships. And that should be part of your daily thing because we, we really are on the same team trying to succeed because there's enough readers for everybody to sell their books. And when I read something like uh, Mark Dawson's uh, was interviewed in The Guardian just, I think, this past week, and it talked about he's got a uh, a TV deal or a movie deal in the works. And I was excited because, you know, who knows, maybe that'll happen for me one day. And we're seeing indies and like Andre mentioned the Martian, you know, mm-hmm. that that's an indie, that's an indie book. It later became traditionally published, but he started out the way all of us do. It all comes down to finding readers. And that's what you guys talk about in, in great detail with a, you know, we've we've just really glossed over the surface of the number of things that you guys talked about in the Prosperous Writer's Guide to Finding Readers. Can you give us one more before we go? One more technique because we've we've only hit on a few. You've got a lot in the books, but but something that's you know really super cool that we could do. Absolutely. So I always get the square version of my cover from my graphic designer, the one you would use for your Audible or your audiobook cover. Okay. And I turn that into postage stamps. So you can go to usps.com and click on the button to make your stamps customizable. And you can do them in any denomination. And I get the ones that are oblong so that they go across the top as opposed to down the side. Um, And I get them in all different denominations. And I put them on all of my correspondence. So postcards, thank you notes, even packages, uh, priority mail packages where I'm sending someone a book. I take the stamp of the book that I'm sending them and put it on the outside of the package. (laughs) That is amazing. You know, I I got something from you once and it had that. And I just thought that must be something that you have to spend a fortune on. How much does that cost? It's it just a few dollars. So you pay the price of the postage stamp, and then it's just a few dollars on top of it. Really? It's not very expensive at all. No. Nope. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Brian, have you done that with your series? I have not. And you know what? That's a bad on me. I really need to do that. <laughs> it, it's a great idea. And I love her stamps. I just haven't done it yet. I'm I'm wrong. You know, every time I get anything from Honoré, I, I – any kind of a package or anything, I'm always excited because it's, it's like getting something from Apple. It's just so professionally done <laughs> as she's holding up to the screen her iPhone cover that's – you must write a book. And Yeah, yeah that, was, that was the back – that was the cover. That wasn't the screen. That was you – know, that, that was – she had custom covers made. Yes. She's a ninja. Yes, yes. No, she was holding it up to the screen – I'm sorry, to the camera that I could see on um, – on Skype, you guys can't see it. Sorry, but it's it's really cool. It's just another one of these things that you just do as a matter of course, and it, it just really sets an image. Honoré, where can people find the Prosperous Writer's Guide to Finding Readers? It is exclusive to Amazon, at least for the next 90 days. So Amazon has the ebook and paperbook versions available. Okay, and where can people find you online, Honoré? What's the best place? 
honorarecorder.com. And Brian, how about you? Well, I spend most of my time on Facebook, and so I have a group on Facebook, Mastering Amazon Ads, an author's guide, which is a closed beta group for a book I'm writing about Amazon ads. And there's about a thousand people there and that's where I hang out. And so somebody really wants to talk to me, that's where they can go. But I would mention, like I said, it's a closed group. The expectation is anybody that wants to be in the group is by asking to join, agreeing to actually buy the book at 999 when it comes out. So, um, you know, if you don't have $10 to spend, then then I can't be found. It costs $10 to find me. That's the bottom line. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of a clever trick. <laughs> I like if it. If you want to find me, you got to pony up. <laughs> I like it. Hey, thanks to both of you. I, I wish you all the best with this, with this book. And I, you know, I love every book in this series, and I can't wait for the next one, which I'm sure is just not that far away. We're always writing. <laughs> You are. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, we will have show notes for everything we mentioned, including where you can buy the book and the websites we talked about and the Facebook groups, whether they're open or closed. We'll have all of that at theauthorbiz.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next Monday.